All right, all right, all right. Dial it to 11. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome. Happy afternoon to the JB Font channel. I'm your host, James Fauntleroy. It's so good to see you guys on Tuesday, December 6, 2022. The JB Font channel is, is hosted by me, James Fauntleroy, as always. And this channel is also available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so you can subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, so you can catch me on Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the JB Show on RBN, on Tuesdays at 4 for RBN Live, and for the Savvy and JB Show on Thursdays at 6. Shout out to everyone who is either a member Patreon on Patreon, Patreon on Coffee, somebody who sends me mutual aid, or just anybody who sends me just kind words of support. Thank you so very much. And if you can, please make sure to give this stream a like. I like to give a shout out to everybody that's in the chat. As per usual, when I have a when I have guests, I always make sure to get to the chat after I'm done talking or speaking with my guests because I want to give my guests as much time as they need to get into what we need to get into. So hello to every single one of you. Today I have special guests. I have Eric and Corey with me today. Uh, Eric, as you all may know, is also the producer for the Savvy Sabs podcast. And Eric also subs in for Savvy Sabs as well. So it's so good to have you both here joining me to talk about this very important topic that a lot of people may not be privy to, but that's one of the reasons why you're here. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you, Corey. Yeah, nice to see you too, JB. Thanks for having us on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, just a question. So uh, one of the things that, and, and you have spoken to about this many times before, is about having demands and and you have linked to this in chats before you have you know spoken about this i know sabia has spoken about this with you as well and the last time i also had you on you had we had on we were speaking with presidential candidate john stasevich we were talking about the 11 demands that uh you have helped author and pointed out to us and so this is more just a, a more a pinpointing of those demands by itself but if you can give us the motivations as to why these demands are written and what was the inspiration or drive to get you to put this out there to help educate people. Sure. So, you know, I, I've been in kind of in and around this space for, for a couple of years now. And and one of the things that I've that I've kind of come to is that I kind of feel like there there you can kind of view it as two different audiences in a way mm -hmm. there's 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 one audience that is is figuring this stuff out maybe you they might be like uh recovering democrats where they're where they um where they're, they're figuring out that both parties are the same both parties you know serve the same oligarchy and and that they they don't represent our interests in their and they, they, there's that edu education part of it, and that and that's crucial. I mean, that that's huge. That's sure. we're not going to get anywhere if we don't if we don't get that done. Mm -hmm. But there's also this second audience of of people that I would kind of view as as people who have kind of gotten over that hump, and 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 they get it. You know, there's 
yeah, both parties are, are corrupt. You know, the system's corrupt. It's it's all a money game and whatnot. And so the, the, the question I end up with is what are we, at least one of the things I end up with is what are we doing for them? What's what's our plan? What What's our strategy? Because, you know, t- to be to be totally 100 with you, it's there, there are times when when I'll listen to the, the host that I that I really like and 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 I'm agreeing. And yeah, you know, definitely, you know, this sucks. They are corrupt. It's and then the show kind of stops. The conversation kind of stops and, and I'm left with, OK, so what do we what do we do? What do, what do we do from here? What's. Mm-hmm. what's a realistic strategy or at least a potential strategy or some kind of strategy and an idea for, for fixing this thing. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I kind of make have made an attempt here to, to kind of try to make a first cut at this. And my intention is not to have any of this set in stone. It's not this idea of, of, you know, coming down the mountain with, <laughs> with tablets, <laughs> the, the, the 11, the, the 11 demandments. I think I heard, <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is to, um, is to collaborate. The idea is to say, you know, what do people think of this is at, at times when I talked about this, I, um, um, people will put things in chats or, or say things and I'm like, Oh yeah, that should go on there. And I put that in. So, so it's, it's those kind of things, you know, what, what can be a workable strategy and how can we collaborate? How, how can we have a left movement that's mm-hmm. based on a set of demands? That's yeah. what I'm trying to work. Also, I'm, I'm a big fan of civil disobedience myself. I, I think that we need to be out there in the streets. Um, and, but we have these collaborative demands. The biggest thing for that is sometimes I feel like with civil disobedience, it can peter out at that kind of demands moment where we can create a moment where, you know, we show that kind of power that, that we are out in the streets, we're not going to take it and that we are going to be disobedient to get in people's faces uh, in a peaceful way. Uh, but, but, you know, we need to follow that up with, with some kind of demand or, or some kind of ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? You both are really speaking to a critique that a lot of us have had, uh, starting with the Occupy movement. And if people don't remember, the Occupy Wall Street movement was a great movement. It was a great bedrock to start off with. But one of the issues that a lot of crit- people that I have heard, the critiques about the Occupy movement was that there was no set list of demands in order to cause the powers that be to move in the direction that the proletariat wants them to move in. The same thing could be said of the Black Lives Matter movement, AKA the protest, the George Floyd protest that happened in the summer of 2020. We have a lot of people who they, the 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 vigilance was there the fervent uh the uh the fervent enthusiasm was there the problem is that there wasn't a list of demands hard concrete demands in order to change things and so from what it looks like, the oligarchs and the oligarch enablers, i.e. the Democratic and Republican parties, basically said, okay, you gave, you have a blank check for what you want to charge us. We're going to put that blank check as close to zero as possible. 
because you didn't decide to put in a specific amount of what you want to charge us. That's like going to the grocery store and, you, you know, it's like, it's like you having a grocery store and then you give, and then the person has a check and then you give them the choice of how much they, you know, should be charged. And so with that, of course, the duopoly who are employed by the oligarchs only put as low a number as possible, even zero, or even make it so that you owe them so that they can have the most benefit out of it all. Funny how that works out, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so because of that, then these movements tend to fail every single time. And then people will go apathetically, man, well, we did all this marching, we did all these protesting and nothing happens. And I think one of the issues is that there is no list of demands and carrying out the consequence if those demands are not met. So I think that's another thing that has to be uh, put in there. But yeah, so I mean, that is a really good point that you and you both have made. So as far as the list of demands and what you want to see, what do you want people to take away from this, from these list of demands uh, before we get into it? Sure. Well, I mean, one thing is, is when you're talking about numbers, one thing it, it, it makes me think of is, is 11. You know, why is it 11? And, and part of it is it kind of played out that way as far as constructing a, a list, at least an initial list. But it's also a concept that kind of comes from, the, in a way, the Spinal Tap movies. <laughs> if that's, if that's a weird connection. But, but there's the scene in Spinal Tap where he's showing off the amp, and he says, you know, this amp goes up to 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the guy says, yeah. you know, why don't you just make it 10? And he goes, no, it goes to 11. And, and so the, the concept is not to just be asking for what you, you, you'll accept or what you might get. The concept is to be asking for strong demands at the start. You know, don't start with compromises. So, for instance, to health care, you know, Medicare for all is a compromise, right, from yeah. the start. You know, yeah. demand health care for all. Demand mm-hmm. a United States national health care system that represents everyone with no privatization. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about ending the wars, you know, don't just demand that, you know, we, we end one or pull out of one, you know, demand an end to imperialism, demand steep cuts in the military budget. Mm-hmm. You know, if it comes yeah. to education, you know, demand full up payment for education with with public dollars, with, you know, with federal dollars that, that, that we can generate. So so that's one one of the main concepts I'm trying to get at with it is is don't mm-hmm. don't start with compromises. For starters, that that's what Democrats do. Right? Well, it's, it kind of sounds like the the old saying: if you shoot for the stars, you may get the moon. Right? Is that mm-hmm. your? Yeah. Although, yeah. I mean, I I think we should fully intent on a movement of, of getting it all. You know, I, I don't I don't think we should even be contemplating this idea of of compromising, at least not early on, especially. 
Right. You're and the, these ideas are also things that I think have to come from our leftist movement, because just to say one thing on, on the BLM movement and the George Floyd movement, one thing that uh, that I noticed is, and this is coming from the mainstream media, so we're going to have the mainstream media coming at us with these things. The mainstream media basically, in my opinion, at, once uh, Derek Chauvin was convicted, they really mm-hmm. put out the message that it's over. And that was the propaganda that was going out there. And, yeah. and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, and also to nod on the collaboration part is um, on that vein, you know, even in this 11 demands list, we, we give a nod to the 10 demands for justice, which are, which are absolutely great. And uh, you know, th- those are, those are moments where we have to, we have to fight it because mainstream media will tell us it's over. They will tell people that, and a lot of people will listen. Yeah. And so we have to be mm-hmm. continuously pushing against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so and so then there's there's the demands and and I, I saw someone on the chat asking the, the very good question a bit of a cutting question but it's a very good question you know what good are demands if you don't have a way to enforce them a way to back them up mm-hmm. and what I'm proposing is we get demanding and we get difficult mm-hmm. so the proposed 11 demand strategy is first you construct the list and We've talked about some of that before and whatnot, and, and we can talk about some of that in here, and especially focusing on the money will be one thing to talk about. But mm-hmm. point two, you know, embrace mutual aid and direct action as critical tools for collaborative support, education, and progress. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a big deal. It's, you know, mutual, and, and we, we shouldn't be seeing these things as in, in competition as one taking away from the other. We should be seeing these things as, as, as additive, as collaborative, as, as going together. So then when it's coming to candidates and our representatives, you know, we demand from them, are you supporting these demands? And, and even more so, what are you doing to enact them? Yeah. If they're not on board, then it's not just, it's not a discussion. It's not a, you know, oh, golly gee, it's you, you call them out. You know, they're corrupt. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either you it's basically a, the, a choice you're either with us or you're corrupt i mean we need to start making yeah. it as clear as that and mm-hmm. and we're talking about direct actions we're talking about protests we're talking about yelling at them every chance we get like i said follow them around with signs and, mm-hmm. and just let you know make it clear but in order mm-hmm. to be doing that you really have I, I feel like you really have to have the demands because otherwise yeah. it 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 turns into this kind of of this of this thing where it's like you're saying you know you're you're arguing with them you know like with an AOC or somebody you know you're not representing us and she's saying oh well I I try and and it's so hard and whatnot and and you're just saying no and you start going down the list of demands you know you're not giving us health care you're not ending the wars you're not even trying you do you're not doing the op you're doing the opposite you're not dealing with money in politics mm-hmm. and you go through in terms of um, and so if they're, if they're not on board, you know, it's zero support, no votes, no votes, no money, no praise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the idea. Part of this idea is, is just taking no quarter and being difficult about it. Mm-hmm. And then if you have third party and independent candidates who do embrace the demands and that are real about it, then those are the ones you support, whether financially or, or with volunteering or that and anything you can do. And it's the idea of getting people on the ballot that you actually want to vote for. Mm-hmm. Then if, this, if things aren't working, if you're getting roadblock, roadblocks, if it's not happening, then that's the time to intensify. That's the time to get in the streets. That's the time to be, to be trying to have a real protest movement. 
but it's going to need numbers. You know, it's, it's part of the thing. And I'll Let- end with the last one. Be relentless about pointing out the real source of our problems, the billionaires and the megacorps, top 0.1% versus the rest of us. That's mm-hmm. the fight. So this sounds like taking the the idea of civility politics and throwing it out the window. Is is that your summation? I 100% um, agree with that. Yep, that's certainly, a, that, that's certainly a big component. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally think that any elected official, uh, if they do any kind of dodging of questions from the public, it uh, doesn't matter if they're constituents or not, uh, you know, that that is the downfall of civility politics. We even saw it recently with AOC. There's, there's been a string of, of people that have been um, confronting people. Uh, however, they, they sometimes get petered out if there's no demands. But, you know, when you, when you just have her up there saying, you know, you're being rude, uh, you know, I think that's spitting in the face of the American public. You know, you are an elected official. Uh, it, and, and also it's, it's, it's a tool, the civility politics, that, that's used, uh, weaponized against, um, you know, marginalized groups um, because, you know, you're not some certain way uh, that that the ruling class wants you to be and, and you get dismissed. So I 100% agree with civility politics out the window. It's one of those things that irritates me the most. They use it as a weapon, really. Yeah, it is used as a tool. Well, I mean, the phrase goes, civility, civility politics is a tool of the oppressor. So it's 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 basically... It's basically the notion of I stab you in the stomach and then I berate you as being rude for bleeding on my carpet. That's basically what it's like to me. It's like, how dare how dare I hurt you and you bleed all over my carpet? You know, that's what it feels like. So the absurdity in it all, because their choices, their decisions literally lead to whether we live or die and whether our brothers and sisters or family around the world lives or dies. Because, for instance, all the money that's going towards uh, to fund the police more is really a decision to whether more of us live or die. The decisions to send more money to give weapons to Nazis in Ukraine (laughs) is whether we live or die. Giving weapons to, you know, the MBS regime in Saudi Arabia is basically a decision whether people live or die. You know, so these decisions are extremely important. And so really, in my opinion, and I think you both hold the same opinion, is that civility politics does not apply when you hold the very lives of people in your hands on a day-to-day basis. Really, no amount of critique is too much. What say you? No, definitely. I know. I know. Corey's ag- Corey agrees. You're ready, right, Corey? To get in the streets. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's, I, I actually, um, during the Occupy movement, I uh, participated in the Occupy Boston and, uh, and that, that was powerful. You know, uh, there were every day we were, we were marching out in the streets, just, you know, no, no um, permits or anything, just out in the streets. I, I remember one distinct time it was happening uh, right in front of the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and they just oh, had wow. a, a line of riot cops where the there power and, is. and we were just sitting there facing it. And, and, oh, yeah. You know, and, you, and you talked about how like like that was the thing they were protecting, the, the, right. that Fed building. They were lined up in front of that. You weren't getting near that thing. 
Right. And, and so basically, you know, um, and I think that was, that was a great movement. Uh, you know, there, there was, there was a lot that came out of that. Um, I, I you know, the, the, there were some demands there, but the, the, I think one big question, which I, I think is an open question and one that I invite, you know, perspective and collaboration on is I saw a comment come up about what are, um, what, what are going to be our recourse if they're not doing it? What are going to be these, these way we enforce the demands? I think that's an interesting yeah. question, but with Occupy Boston, essentially what happened is, uh, the police just completely, uh, came in and, and ripped down the tents, kicked people out, arrested people, uh, that happened once. And the movement came back, uh, in, the, in that area kind of, but the, the second time it happened that the police just came in and clear everybody else, uh, else out. Unfortunately, it kind of fizzled out after that. And I think that happened a lot uh, with other Occupy movements. I mean, one thing I'll say about all, that whole point is, is this is going to need numbers. You know, this is going to need a mass movement of, of a, a, a whole lot of people. It's going to need something like, more like what we saw with the Bernie movement, what we saw with the George Floyd protests. You know, that's, that's the kind of numbers and the kind of energy this is going to need. And so, and so we come to the question, you know, why isn't that happening? Why don't we? Why aren't we seeing those kind of numbers in that movement happening right now? And one of the things I would posit is just our our movement, whatever it is, isn't isn't organized. I mean, there's, and this is why I think it needs a, a set of demands, and it doesn't have to be my demands or your demands or whatnot, but it needs something. Mm-hmm. We don't even, and and so. This, when I'm talking about this, I'll, 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 I'll talk about it as like 11 demand, you know, the 11 demand strategy, 11 demands, this and that. And I almost view that as like a placeholder. I mean, if that's what people want to go with, it's great. Let's do it. But it doesn't have to be this exactly. But for instance, if we're having a left movement, like we don't even have a name for it. We don't even know. What, what do you call our movement? You know, the the it's it's not the, you know. What kind of left are we? You know, the the Jimmy Dore left, the 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 post democratic left, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What if, you know, as a, a potential idea, what if we are the eleven demands left? Mm-hmm. What if that's because branding? I mean, branding is one of those things that it it's kind of a thing that feels very commercial and whatnot. But branding is important. That's <laughs> true. Branding make, makes the difference between whether. You know, people remember something and catch on to it or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think we're going to have to figure out some way to say this is who we are, this is what we represent, and come join us. And here's here's why you would check out these demands. Well, it sounds like you're saying to use the capitalistic forces against itself, right? Uh, it's basically saying use these different um, use these different tenants that capitalists use in order to increase their wealth to instead increase the demands or increase the amount of things that are necessary for us to have at least a a foundation and using it against the capitalistic forces. So for for instance, um, there was, uh, I'm forgetting about the, uh, there was a, a point that I wanted to make, but there was. It's, and we're going to have to use the, the tools that, that we have. Basically, you know, is, yeah, is too. I had a brain fart there, but it's basically using their their apparatus against them. And so because you're using the apparatus against them, they may not like it, 
but they're the ones that put that apparatus in place in the first place. And so it's basically just using it, you know, for our ends versus using it for their ends. Yeah, I mean, you know, these people are inherently greedy. You know, if if there was some way that we could use their greed to to fight against each other, that that would be good. You know, as as for um as for having like you know some kind of identity, I, I don't know what that'll look like in the future, but I think it's really important to try to build this kind of leftist solidarity because I think that there's constantly uh, forces uh, coming in to to do you know damage to the to the community i mean they would want nothing more than our leftist um community to start eating each other you know that that's essentially what oh, they're they've been doing do. that <laughs> right i mean like like for yeah. example like progressive that's that's not even that that's compre- progressive is completely co-opted at, the, at that point that that you know term in my opinion it has just been uh, bastardized i mean really would it even ha- warrant us to even have the word left in the name because it's going to take a coalition of people that aren't even left in order for this to grow. So uh, that could be somewhat of a turnoff to people versus, say, just worker. You know what I mean? I I'm just that's a good point. Yeah. So a lot of times, it's we, we have to we have used, to get out of left to right and and get into up down. Yeah. So it's basically using the tenets of leftism marxism socialism communism using those tenets without actually using the words like for instance a couple of years a couple of weeks back i was speaking to one of the drivers that drives me to and from dialysis and i was referring to her talking about the things that she has to deal with as a worker as a driver for that company and i basically said it would be awesome it would be great if you as one of the drivers was also a owner, part owner of the company. Not only did were you part owner, but you also got the 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 profits, part of the profits that you earned from your labor, and you also had a democratic say on how the company is ran. And she fully signed on to that immediately. And there are so many people, when you explain it in that way, then they go, because that means it's like, you don't have to do entrepreneurship that that individualistic way. You could do entrepreneurship in a collective way and you can collectively own and collectively make the profits for the company that you work for because you're literally helping create the wealth. And when people are brought to that, then the wheels start turning and they start thinking, well, yeah, if we have this, then we can own it. And then we can own it. Then we won't be so quick to ship our jobs overseas. And then on top of that, you know, we can have more worker center policies through our local state and national government. So the wheels start turning a lot more, but I think one of the things that has to happen is an education work in order for people to know this. And it's just, it's kind of hard to do it one conversation at a time, though I think it's absolutely necessary. I think a mass dissemination of information also needs to happen. What are your thoughts on that? 
I, I think we should do it all. I mean, you know, I, I think it's a mistake, yeah. and this is something we do sometimes on the left, is we get caught up in the idea of, oh, no, we got to be doing it this way, and, oh, no, we got to be doing it this way. What mm-hmm. I'm proposing is a left movement with a list of, of, of coherent, specific demands at its core mm-hmm. that informs and that guides everything we do. So, if, so if you're if you're having a conversation with someone, well, look at these demands and look down here. Here's this one about worker co-ops that applies yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you ask anybody, do you think Congress is corrupt? <laughs> Get a ninety-nine percent yes. Well, here's the number one demand. You know, yeah. deal with the money. You got yeah. you know, and and clean the sewer up. At the same time, there's all, all our the whole online presence. And, and mm-hmm. these shows that can reach out to thousands, mm-hmm. millions, and and you know that's that's kind of what has brought us here, you know, to yeah. this point, mm-hmm. and all that definitely needs to be leveraged. But I'm I'm proposing we do all the things, and we not mm-hmm. get caught up in, in you know, oh, well, it's this one or this one. I even, I I even get a, I I I like to, I think about pushing back even when there's the discussion of like how much energy to put into mutual aid versus. Um, electoral politics, you know, should mm-hmm. it be 50-50, should it be 80-20 and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what I'm proposing is more just to, to not even view it as that kind of competition, but mm-hmm. view it in terms of do both of the things, do all the things, mm-hmm. and and do it together as a movement. But mm-hmm. it's going to have to have something at its core. Yeah. The only issue that I see is that a lot of movements get co-opted. And for that very reason, there is some folks that would feel like they're on board. And some may be on board initially from the outset, but once they get into a particular political party, then that's when things get influenced and then things get cut down. People may get demoralized, just like with the Bernie movement. A lot of people were on board for a lot of these different policies, but it just didn't happen. And now people seem to have just fallen back to sleep. So in what ways can we do in order to keep the movement from being co-opted by some of these lapdogs for the oligarchs? And some of them become lapdogs for oligarchs, too. Yeah, so what I'm gonna like, say. How do we prevent that? Well, what I'm gonna say what demands go, Corey. Well, yeah, what I have to say <laughs> is is any any movement, any party. Um, you know, I I I, I am a little bit suspicious of, of any kind of like political party. I, I do vote, but I, I don't vote for any major party. I only vote for third party. Uh, ideally, what I want to see is independent candidates. Um, but but what I what I would say is I am very cautious of any movement or any party that is centered around personalities or, or one particular personality. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I ideally this should be a collective where uh, we're we're looking at each other as equals. Um, we're, we're having that class solidarity. And it's, you know, with within our community, it, it's democratic. It's it's like the same theory of a co-op business. You know, we, we all have a say, we all have a vote. So w- without saying anything specific, my, my thing was, is if you have a movement that's centered around one person or one group of people, um, I think that's where you can really get co-opting. If it is that true collective, I think mm-hmm. it is harder to do that. Yeah, I, I kind of want to think back to 
during the activist summit when we had on Shama Sawant on RBN, and one of the things that was conveyed to us was when it comes to choosing someone to run for a particular office, whether it be local, state, or national, they actually vote on who they want. A person does not make the conscious effort, oh, I'm going to run because I feel that we need this. It's like, no, the people gather together and they make their choice of who they want. And the person may be reluctant to do it, which is a good thing because that means that they actually don't really want that power. They just feel like, okay, the people chose me. And even in the choosing, it is not up to that person. And they have to look at the person's circumstance and things like that, of course, but it comes to a point where it's not up to the individual if they run or not. It's up to the collective of who runs and who gets pointed. You know, and the people who feel like, oh, I should or I should, you look at that person with a side eye, you're like, mm, maybe not, because you're too ambitious. Yeah, you know? Definitely. So you, you need the movement first. You yeah. Need, you need the collective first. And then ideally you have the leaders rising out of that. Mm-hmm. And and it makes me think of the uh, another big part of this is the concept mm-hmm. of democracy. Yeah. And there's this idea of, um, you know, do we do we believe in in real democracy? I mean, what? Yeah. Good question. It's really, I mean, I, I can't see another way. I mean, there's, it, it, when you have any group of people, you know, that, that's over a dozen, you know, how else can you organize? You know, how can you really yeah. have anything that, that that's going to work? And so, you know, there's, it, 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 like when you've seen revolutions with vanguards and things like that, you you tend to end up with basically swapping one dictator for another you know, or a ruling council or something. And I, I, I just, the only way I can really see, see this thing working, see, you know, humanity succeeding at self-governance, to put it that way, is with real democracy. Mm-hmm. The problem right now is what do we have? We don't have a real democracy of one person, one vote. What we have right now is a democracy of dollars. It's one dollar, one vote. Mm-hmm. And... Like to me, that's that's the central core problem right now with with our system, with our mm-hmm. so-called democracy. And so, to me, when I'm looking at these things, that that's that's what I center on. That's what that that to me that's job one. Now maybe maybe other people have other ideas of how to lay out and prioritize, but you know, to me, if you don't fix the money, then nothing's going to change. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to really change. And so then there's the question of how, how are you going to fix the money? Well, the, the core problem is that right now in our system, money is speech and corporations are people. Mm-hmm. And, and any reform you try to make, any, any regulations, whether they're at the federal level or, or at the state level to, to fix the democracy, to get the money out, you're going to have go to the Supreme Court and they're going to say, oh, well, you can't. You can't stop that billionaire from injecting a billion dollars into the into the campaign because that's his speech. Money is speech. You know, you can't stop that corporation from um, from running all kinds of ads to to affect that's that's their speech. Mm-hmm. And so, 
a, it's a big problem. It's at a core level right now because you have a Supreme Court that that's, that's the precedent. That's what they feel. And so the only way I can see to, um, to fix it is with a constitutional amendment at the federal level in terms of the mm-hmm. federal fix. Yeah. And then when you get to the state level, you're talking about ballot initiatives for public financing of elections, which would be huge. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you do have the potential that you could pass those and they get challenged and go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, oh, no, money is speech, and they strike them down. Mm-hmm. So I feel like those things need to be a real focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if, if, if we can, um, you know, create a cleaner election system from our perspective you know i I think it will will help a lot of people because a lot of people that are are not necessarily like into politics you know they're just so apathetic about it because they're just seeing how messed up it is and uh you know back to your point about shama which i've actually had some contact with socialist alternative and they they um were adamant that that shama actually did not vote for herself and and was uh definitely uh definitely called to action rather than volunteering uh but what you have here is this develops with with the money is this professional political class you know i i don't believe that you should have people that that view politics as a career i think if people view politics as a career uh then we're gonna get bad outcomes it sounds like from what it seems like to me if you are going to have a representative democracy then it should be treated like a jury system, right? The jury system is, oh, you've been picked for jury duty. Like, God damn it. I got picked <laughs> for jury duty. Shoot. Then you got to, you know, serve on jury. It's almost like you've been picked to serve as a representative. And so then, you know, because the people voted and they wanted you. All right. Well, fine. Okay. You only get two years. All right. Fine. Gosh. And then once the two years is up, all right. Now you are being picked because everybody voted for you. And so this is what it sounds like, which in its idea is great. The only concern that I have is that things are so saturated with corruption that really I see the 11 demands. I see general strike. I see wildcat strikes. I see all these different things as the last ditch effort the most peaceful option left. If this doesn't happen, I'm not saying what I really want to say, but y'all know exactly where I'm going with it. Because I will quote John F. Kennedy. He said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. And so the one of the reasons why I wanted to hear you guys out, because I do not want to have the things go as far as they need to. But at the same time, if they have to, to save ourselves as a species, to be honest with you, we got to do what we got to do. So I, I think this is like the last like step before we have to break the glass. And so <laughs> please don't make us break the glass. You know, yeah. that's the thing. Well, I mean, well, one let, thing let, I, I'd say, go ahead, Cor. Let me just ask you this is is um jb from your perspective do you think that there is a point in between that because i, I will say that that as uh just my personal belief you know mm-hmm. i i'm not a big fan of violence against people unless it's defensive um mm-hmm. that being said um when it comes to like property damage 
um, you, you know, I, I think that that's an avenue to take. You know, I, 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 I obviously I don't think it would be good for anybody for it, for it to devolve into violence also because, um, you know, if, if we see U.S. foreign power, uh, you know, the, the, pro- the problem is, you know, um, they have a history of around the world just putting down revolutions pretty quick. I mean, I, I would kind of put it this way is I'm 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 totally you know, I'm never going to advocate advocate for violence generally. But uh, I'm not against saying that if if things don't happen in a peaceful and a, in a democratic way in this kind of way, I'm not against saying, well, you know, it's it's um things are going to happen, you know, things it's going to get bad. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you, 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 you can talk to JB here or if you don't like what he's saying. Well, I guess you can talk to Rome, but <laughs> it's kind of like, you know. <laughs> um, to answer your question, Corey, as far as is there an in-between between this and a revolution? No, I don't feel that way. And for the reasons that this is, to me, the last stop before it because the only thing that could make anything happen is by forcing the oligarchs to their knees. It's either going to force them to their knees or other things. And this is the only thing that's, you know, and and economically to their knees. I mean, what's the worst thing you can do to a wealthy person is make them poor. I guess that's, that's the, that's Mm -hmm. the one thing that we can do. (laughs) <laughs> You'd rather die, um, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> but, but, and, and some of them do. But the thing is, is that they are at a point where they're literally killing people to enrich themselves. And I look at a revolution as a defensive maneuver of the populace in order to not only keep ourselves alive, but to also get to a point where we need to thrive. See, that's the thing. People say, well, I don't want I don't want violence. Unfortunately, violence is already being committed against you by the state, by the oligarchs and by their enablers. And so a lot of people think that us going up against them is violence. It's like, no, that's self-defense, because the thing is, is that every single time, every single point when we want to exercise our rights as a people, then violence is committed against us. The thing is, is that what police did during the George Floyd protest was violence. Hell, let's go back even to the 60s when they were pushing water cannons against us during the civil rights movement. That was violence against us, even when Dr. King conceded to doing the nonviolent. But even Dr. King had guns registered to him, and he realized that sometimes you got to pick one up in order to stop people from doing something bad to you. So unfortunately, that's the way it goes because you have some of these megalomaniacs that want to hoard all their wealth and they will die trying because that's the way they operate. And they will kill you for a dollar. And so while I am sympathetic to going other different routes, it is not missed upon me that our defense also needs to have another option on the table but that has to be the last option. But we're getting very close to that last option. And I don't want to use that last option. 
but I cannot say that it's not off the table. Yeah, um, I, I I definitely am sympathetic to your point, and I and I agree with you on on terms of just the immense state sanctioned violence that has happened. Um, and, and I I am a gun owner. I'm not a pacifist. I um, you know, I know how to take care of myself. And if the day comes, uh, you know, I I probably would would go out there. My point is that my worry is that it would it would require in in theory it would require a large amount of uh, of of support, a large amount of people going out there. Um, you know, that's that's more my point. Is it's not something that that a small group of of people would be able to pull off. And yeah, but picking up on that, this is going to need a, a mass movement. This is going to need a lot of people. The, the way, the, the way. I mean, the the problem is right. If we get a few thousand people and they go out in the streets, you know, and then what happens? The cops, you know, line up and they kettle them and they and they break them up. They pull out the tear gas if they have to. You get a million people out in the streets. Then there ain't there's nothing they're gonna do about it. I mean, there's you saw with um, the civil rights movement, the mass numbers out in the streets that really got it done, especially you know your march on Washington type of numbers. You yeah. saw with the George Floyd movement, you know that that was a big deal. It it didn't you know it didn't really get to anything we'd really want, but you you got a lot of people out there from a lot of different. Hey, Indy, a lot of different, a lot of different like socioeconomic levels and races and, and the whole bit. And yeah, it was co-opted. It was, you know, it didn't get anywhere. I would say that what was missing was this coherent list of demands of saying that, sure. you know, this is what, this is going to, the, the massive people on the streets are going to end when we get progress on this list. And, and, and that's what you need. And, and the other thing I, I want to say about it is that, I think I, I really like this this framework of the division of the top 0.1 percent versus the yeah. rest of us, mm-hmm. and what that gets into, and it, and it can be a little bit of a, of a tricky concept to get into. But the millionaires have more in common with us than they do with the billionaires. That's true. I I put the cutoff at like a hundred million dollars, you know, and I, and, and like this 0.1%, when, when you get to be, you know, a hundred millionaire, you get into Nan, you get into, you know, Nancy Pelosi, mama bear territory and into the billionaire. <laughs> Sorry. You're living, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> now we get the baby bears and the papa bear and yeah, quite a crew. Yeah. When you get into that level, you're, you're, you're in a whole different existence. I mean, you're, True. you're in this whole thing. Very and, true. And and what that opens up for as a potential is that if we can get that realization out there, that yeah. it's this very small group of people at the tippy top, and they're robbing from all of us, and yeah, they, they're hitting poor people the, the hardest, and whatnot, and crushing them. But yeah. even all the way up the ladder, up to millionaires, you know, the billionaires are stealing from them too. And mm-hmm. and this whole thing is is going to crash. You know, there's also I, I I really do think you can apply you can you can um, appeal to a lot of people's empathy, mm-hmm. even people that are doing well. You had a lot of people out there in, in those George Floyd marches who you know they were it wasn't all you know poor people. It wasn't you know you had a lot of you know pretty well off PMC or white PMCers out there sure. because they saw that video and mm-hmm. and they were appalled mm-hmm. and they said something had to be done. Mm-hmm. The challenge I would submit here is to is to leverage that kind of energy 
mm-hmm. that kind of, of outrage. And people should be, you know, I think people are outraged. I mean, people are fed up. Definitely. But, but they're not being shown a path. They're not, they're, it's not like there's some movement that they can sign on to and say, okay, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is, this makes sense to me. Let's, let's all gather together and demand this or go for that. And, yeah. and so to me, that's, that's the challenge. That, that's what I'm trying to put out there is how can we do that as, as a left movement? Gotcha. It's well, sitting there waiting for us. If we can, if we can pick that lock and figure out how to do that is what I'm, is what I'm proposing. Well, let's get out the key. Let's show <laughs> the eleven demands. <laughs> We've been talking around it. Let's let's get into it because I I think these these are also some really solid uh, demands that you know people and this is part of the education work because a lot of times this list of demands can also be educational for people who just don't know what's really going on around them, and so I think this is also a really good thing to do. Is, and this is why you guys are here, is to help educate and talk about this, to really open those synapses in people's minds and go, wait a minute, yeah, my life has been shitty for God knows how long, and this is what's been going on? Hmm, let me listen more. And I think that's one of the things that is also good about, you know, streams like this, to talk about these different demands. So... Did you want to share a screen so you can control it, or did you want? Are you okay with me? Uh, you go. It? You go. Okay. All right. Cool. So you got the means. <laughs> so eleven demands for democracy. So I, I like. <laughs> you see. You see Eric's. Uh, you see his humor. He says that's right. These man demands go to eleven. <laughs> so eleven. number number one says nothing will change as long as big money runs to show. So this is really the foundation of all of our contempt for what's really going on, right? So let, let, let's talk about this. So nothing will change as long as big money runs to show. We must enact a constitutional amendment that says corporations are not people and money is not speech. You alluded to this earlier. And it's not going to be easy. And, and one, one, one of the jokes that, that Corey made to me when I talked about this before <clears throat> was that, was that you know, I'll say, that, you know, I say, oh, it's not going to be easy. You know, and we're going to try this thing. It's not going to be easy. And, and Corey yeah. was like, every time I talk about, oh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> uh, I, I have one thing to just say, too. So this is um, based on the, the um, Move to Amend movement. And so they have this um, on their website there. Uh, and it's basically an example of, of what this constitutional amendment would be. And one of the things that I love about it is that it's very simple. It's very short. It's very easy to understand. Uh, I, I think that a lot of laws are written overly complicated uh, as a way to keep people out of the legal process and to keep them in the dark. My opinion is if you need a law degree to understand a law, then that there is a bad law and it's going to be used to manipulate against people. So when we're talking about anything like this, I just think it's really important that we are going to keep it, you know, short, simple. Uh, Yeah, I honestly think that uh, if you cannot read that bill or law with, I say, a 10th grade education at the very least, then number one, you need to get yourself to a 10th grade leading reading level. Number one, that takes systemic change. But number two, if you can, can't read that at a 10th grade le- reading level, then I say then you need to rewrite it so that people can understand. Because there's a lot of us, I, 
from what I read, there was a statistic that uh, like a huge chunk of the country can't repass the sixth grade le reading level. Um, that's also, I think, part of the issue that the system perpetuates. But yeah, that was a really good point that if people can't understand the law that they're reading without that level of education, then no, it, it shouldn't be written that way. And it needs to be put in a way, language that people understand so that they know what's going on. But this actually goes into uh, government secrets and governments hiding things from the people and doing things in their name that they shouldn't be doing. And then we can get to Julian Assange and Mimad Abu-Jamal you know, and Edward Snowden and all these different things that have happened. But yeah, I just want to say all that, that I agree with you. Yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, demand radical transparency is a point on this. And, and that's definitely a, a big part of that. Something that we do not have right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys want to touch on anything else before I move on to number two? Eric, you muted. You want to show the amendment? If you want to show my screen? Oh, sure. I did the thing. I talked while I was muted. It's uh, and th th this is the move to amend. Uh, mm -hmm. We are the people, and I just wanted to, to to show it quickly to show how simple it is. Mm -hmm. You know, section one: corporations do not have people rights protected, are the rights of natural persons only. Artificial entities, uh, privileges shall be determined by the people. Section one done. Section two: money is not free speech, and governments shall be able to regulate. Uh, federal, state, you know, expenditures must be publicly disclosed. Judiciary shall not construe, construe the, the spending to, be, to, uh, to apply to free speech. Section 2, done. Section 3, nothing shall be construed to bridge freedom of press. Amendment, done. Wow. It, it's beautifully simple. Uh, yeah. And it's one of those things you would think that you could put out there, you could fit it on a sign and say, you know, get this done. Now, it's not an easy process. The, um, you know, amending the U.S. Constitution is, you know, it's been done and it's doable. But, you know, as we say, it's not it's not easy and it's going to have to be something we demand and, and make happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is amazingly simple. <laughs> but at the same time, it's straight to the point. No sugarcoating. So, yeah, that's that's really great. Anything else before we go uh, to the actually, you know what? I like this ban revolving door politics, investigate, prosecute companies that use jobs as bribes, disallow former high ranking employees serving as representatives or lobbyists. Now, this reminds me of funny enough, when Matt Gates actually came out and talked about something similar to this about banning politicians from becoming lobbyists as well as banning them from having any money or using any money or investing in stock markets and things like that so it came from matt gates of all people but unfortunately he was correct it's all part of the game you know matt, matt gates isn't our friend but of course, you know, they're all they're all in the, in the same corrupt uniparty. And part of the game is you have little outliers who say things, you know, they don't really mean it, but, but yeah. they they say it and they stir things up and they, and they go on with business as usual. 
This is why if you you have a strong demand that just says, you know, fix this at the constitutional level, then then when they're not doing that, you know they're not serious. Of course. I mean, Matt Gates saying all the things that he said is the equivalent of saying, I love you just to get in my pants. (laughs) Like... You know, <laughs> so. yeah. Don't 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 go with him. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, that, that political class is it's it's incestuous. I know the uh, you know Sabi Sabs on our podcast the other day t- touched into it. You know, if you if you connect the dots mm. to see, you know what the military industrial complex executives are connected to, you know, they're usually former white house staffers and it's this, um, patronage politics. It's, you know, you fall in line and you will get rewarded. And that's, it's also how they're, um, one thing I think about is a a lot of really, really intelligent people go into Mm -hmm. finance because that's where the incentive is, you know, and they, they, and, and they, they continue to do this. So, so instead of, you know, these, these intelligent, educated people going into, uh, you know, efforts that, that might benefit society, they are called to finance, they're called to politics and it's all part of this game. So even that kind of, uh, power is being sapped away from, uh, from a potential movement. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I'm grateful for people like Dr. Richard Wolf for educating us as far as economics is concerned, which is, it's wonderful. Agreed. So moving on to healthcare for all. One of the things that I really like a lot. And look, Eric, if you swing the other way, this will be a way to get my draws down. <laughs> you said implement a United States national healthcare system. <laughs> okay, that was uncomfortable. But still, the sentiment is true. <laughs> this is after my own heart. Because I kept saying to many people, single health payer healthcare is now not good enough for me. I'm like, you know what? No, no, no. We're going farther. We're going to nationalize it all. All the way, baby. All the way, baby. (laughs) We're nationalizing the hospitals, the medical device companies. We're nationalizing pharma. We're nationalizing gyms. We're nationalizing. uh, Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the name rehab facilities all of it every single thing having to do with health including holistic health i don't care the thing is is that because if it's done for profit that means somebody is going to suffer even with a single payer system guess who still gets shafted it's going to be the people collectively because these hospitals are going to raise their rates so fucking high that our taxes will eventually go up too. So no, they are not going to do it. We're going to do it in a way where it is actually cost effective and not done for profit at all. So yeah, and people are going to look at me like I'm crazy, especially a lot of people who are more I mean, what, What's next, JB? Are, are you going to want to want free fire department? You're crazy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> crazy no, that, talk. That's that's a good point. I mean, that the free fire shirtless department is free public school free next. Free shirtless firefighters, oh boy. <laughs> free, sh- free shirtless firefighters for all. Baby. <laughs> and, and I'm not. Wait, wait, wait. And for the straight guys, I'm not discriminating. Oh, there you go. Yeah, now <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I, I look. I, I look. I only kid because you know I try to have fun. But no, you're absolutely correct on this. It's like yeah, free firefighters like. Why are we, why is this something that is out of beyond the pale for people, Mm. right? 
and and one thing too is is I mean, first of all, I know I'm not telling the audience anything they don't agree with, but you know, healthcare for profit is just pure evil. One of the things that I think about is is on this topic of protect the right to bodily autonomy and reproductive choice. What happens is healthcare insurance actively makes clinical decisions for the patients. Yes. Uh, a, a lot a lot of doctors are, are, are as frustrated with the system as possible because they will say, all right, I am the doctor. This is my patient. I am prescribing them this. And the insurance company will say, oh, that doesn't fit in with our guidelines. You know, you, you literally are having a health insurance uh, company make medical decisions for you, taking it out of the hands of your doctor. Mm-hmm. And well, that is a look, major problem. Yeah. You know how... The Republicans, especially, kept talking about death panels. They literally exist. And they literally work for the healthcare insurance companies. They make choices based on what the information your doctor gives them. So let's say, for instance, your doctor saying, look, this procedure needs to be done. This procedure might be experimental but this is the best chance for you but they can't do it if the insurance company says you know what nah, no we're not going to pay for that so then the insurance company just sentenced you to death or sentenced you to a life that is devoid of quality because they don't want to shell out the money because they actually get money by denying you care so with that being said, they do not deserve to exist at all because they're literally a barrier from you having good health. And so this is one of the reasons why I, I also am down for all this, you know, so. And so let- any, any strategy, any list of demands or any plan is going to have to deal with this in yeah. some fashion. And if. If, if a left strategy is to let it all burn down or, or say that, you know, the government, it's falling apart and there's nothing we can do about it. The, the problem with that, if, if that's where you're landing, is there's a whole lot of people and I've even I include myself who, who depend on pharmaceutical products, depend on the medical system to literally survive. Mm-hmm. And if that goes down, you know, if we're into some post- post more post whatever mad max world there's a whole bunch of people that are just going to be gone in a few months and so you know we we need to have a plan have a proposed solution and strategy that doesn't do that we, of course. we, we have to fix this thing there, there, right. there's really no other choice or there's or there's millions of people who are just dead right and that, that doesn't make for a good movement if that's your plan yep well, I, I just don't want people to think that that's the plan of a lot of us. Uh, if it has to go that far is, of course, there is has to be contingency set in place to safeguard as many people as possible. Uh, the thing is, is that there. The oligarchs will hold us hostage. Wherever possible. So we, have, I mean? we need the numbers. So it's, it's yes. our only chance. Yeah. So I just want to say that, you know, that's not, you know, I don't want to construe that that's what a lot of us, you know, who are more revolutionary minded on the left. That's not what, you know, we're saying. 
you know, and that's not our goal, our aim, or what is being proposed. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. Mm -hmm. um, of course, they cover all aspects of healthcare, dental, vision, preventative, etc., including hospice care. I think hospice care also should be included in that as well. Mm. Yep. So that's um, a good one to add. Another another thing is is uh, this is in general that I, I you know in, in general I support all education should be publicly funded and available to people. Uh, but it, but especially when you come to healthcare and, and to the law, um, I think a big problem is that you need to be privileged for the most part in this country to become a doctor, a lawyer, uh, even a nurse. Uh, so th what what you have here is you have a certain group of people that are involved in these decision making processes. If you can open up uh, access for education, uh, you're, you're going to have a di more diverse set of, of practitioners and more ideas mm -hmm. coming in here. And and I, I I generally believe that that more diversity will lead to more um, you know revolutionary progressive ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that is also a really good point because a lot of the people who are involved in going into law or the medical field tend to be, I'm not saying at all, but tend to be people of a privileged class. And then even on top of that, some of them have to go into extreme amounts of debt, student debt in order to get to where they are. And call me crazy, but I'm of the opinion, all right, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let it hang out. I'm the other opinion not just tuition-free college and university, but tuition-free medical school, postgraduate, and law school. People look at me like I'm crazy for that. But to be honest with you, I think education is a right. And if you want to go to school to be a lawyer and attorney, I don't think you should have to suffer to do that. Or I think if you want to go and get all that education, but you still want to work with your hands as a carpenter, but you have all this knowledge of the law, okay, why is it gatekept? The law should not be gatekept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gatekept. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's yeah. even that that gatekeeping within a law. It's 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 a relatively new thing, and I, and I wonder even if the idea of law school was was put in there to to create the legal profession as being more unaccessible to certain groups of people, because historically that was not the case. Historically, becoming a lawyer was an apprenticeship. You would apprentice under a lawyer, and after a certain period of time, you would take whatever exam, and then you would be a lawyer. There was no law school. I think law yeah. school really became a thing more in like the forties or the fifties. Well, yeah, there was a, a black man that was talked about. He, he said, you have to blame me for the bar exam because because I wanted to become a lawyer and they didn't want me as a black. He was saying because they don't want me as a black man to become a lawyer, then they created the bar exam. So now you have to pass the bar in order to become a lawyer. So really, there was racist implications in creating the bar exam for lawyers. This is why critical race theory is also very important, kids. Oh, um, yeah. Definitely. So, so yeah. a big history of that straight up yeah. from the the voter voter tests after emancipation proclamation straight yeah. up to, to to gun control laws didn't yeah. exist until the black panthers peacefully protested with firearms outside of the california state assembly yeah that was what that was when gun laws came in so yeah i mean there's a huge history of that obviously definitely definitely now uh let's go 
to minimum standard of living for everyone. This seems radical, but when you think about it, it's not really that. Look, I'm going to be real with you. Eric, Corey, y'all are some of the most normal thinkers ever. Because this, pardon my friends, but this shit is normal. This should be what normal people think, right? Make minimum wage a real living wage? That's normal, right? <laughs> and part of the idea here is, is not to get stuck on on a particular compromise demand. You know, the, yeah. the demanding 15 is, is a compromise, especially in most states. Yes. You know, demanding, you know, more housing vouchers you know it's it, it's 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 a compromise not even a band-aid on a broken system um you know even things like the the federal jobs guarantee you know it's it, it's the idea of, of of demanding more of just demanding something real here and not um and turning that up to 11 that way <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um looking at this Oh, I'm sorry, Corey, did you want to add anything to that? I was just going to say into into housing. Uh, one thing that I think about is there are so many abandoned buildings in this country. Uh, sure. Just 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 go in and just turn them into um, public housing. And by public housing, I don't mean public housing that exists today. I just mean a housing first policy. And any, any person in this country, I do not care if you're documented, undocumented. I don't care. Housing first if you're in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's interesting. There was... I was watching a video. I can't remember exactly which one. Oh, Adam ruins everything. Adam Conover. I don't know. Like, I used to think he was just some liberal. But after hearing him, I'm like, dude, you're on the left, bro. So one of the things he talked about was immigration. He said, actually, closing the borders like we did actually contributed more towards undocumented immigrants coming into the country and staying. Back then, there used to be a revolving door, but our the amount of immigrants that we had staying in this country was actually lower because they would come in, work in the country, then leave and go back home. But a lot of them, because there was this lock where you can come in, but you can't come back out. So guess what? They said, well, we can't, if we leave, we can't come back in. So we might as well stay. And so that's what happened. And so to be honest with you, people are like, oh, you're for open borders. Yes, I'm for open borders. I'm going to say it right here, right now. Number one, borders are an artificial line that really does not exist in nature. So therefore, why in the hell do we have it? That that being said, having a, a decent immigration system where people can come in and out with relative ease, to be honest with you, is not necessarily a bad thing. The thing is, is what is contributing to people committing many crimes, either if they come in from another place or if they're existing in this country. It typically is tied to poverty. That being said, if we stop the drug wars and stop bullshitting in other countries to the south of us and in the global south and then causing their economies to collapse and also collapsing our economy for other people and causing poverty, then guess what? You're not going to have as much as that crime happening. So really, and still, it still doesn't happen as much with immigrants as it does with just natural natural citizens. 
that being said, you know, as far as giving housing to people who are undocumented, go ahead, do it because they're human beings and they deserve to be housed just like they deserve health care. I don't care because, well, I care, but I care that they have housing because who wants to see somebody out on the street? Because the thing is, it's not their fault that they're out there on the street. It's a systemic problem, not a personal problem. And I think that's something that people need to get through their heads. One of the things that, that capitalism generates and operates on is the concept of scarcity and, and really more often than not an artificial scarcity. And so things like homelessness and, and, and housing, you know, why, why don't we have enough housing? Yeah. It's, it's an artificial scarcity because housing is. is monetized. Housing is, is used as, as an investment in a profit center. Um, you know, why do we have problems with, with, um, it, you know, the, the border issues and immigration and, and jobs? It, it's, it's artificial scarcity. It, it doesn't have to be this way. And, and we, we need to be, I think on the left, we need to be talking about and providing the vision of a better world about yeah. how it, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, it's that thing. We can all have nice things. Mm -hmm. You can bring in even MMT ideas into it that, you know, there is no real scarcity of money. It's really just a matter of where is it going, yeah. who has yeah. it, and how do you cycle it through? How do you deal with wealth inequality? Yeah. And all this stuff can be dealt with, but it's but it's going to have to be the ninety nine percent kind of taking taking the reins, taking control of it. And when people talk about open borders, I think our answer should be: well, we should we should be um, demanding and putting the vision of a world where with open borders, you know, saying yeah. open borders. Yeah, well, that that's what we should strive for. We have open borders between the states in the United States. Should we have closed borders there to keep, you know, keep the... <laughs> Nobody wants Floridians anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> keep those riffraff from New Hampshire out of Massachusetts. You know, it's... it's <laughs> you know, we got to draw the line somewhere. No, we oh, those, <laughs> those, those motherfuckers from New Jersey, keep them out. They stink. No, no. <laughs> you know, part of, of being a real human being is, is freedom of movement. And so... We should be yeah. demanding and painting the yeah. vision of a world that that has that for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I also think uh, capitalism really just just breeds. Sorry, uh, JB, but capitalism really just breeds um, a lack of empathy toward towards people. Because I, I think on some level, you know, most people have that sense of just you know, I don't mess with you, you don't mess with me. You know, we we live, we we respect each other. But but I feel like capitalism really just breeds this hate within people. Um, and, and that's turned a, into hate of the poor, a scarcity, uh, mis misguided thing. thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, scrabbling create, over the same dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Create public food pantries. That is interesting concept. Give everybody something to eat. What a radical, rather radical idea. Huh? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> duh. Like some people will do some drastic things if they're hungry. Mm -hmm. Why not take that? element away you could just make food stores that are just free food instead why can't of we do it, that yeah i mean instead of just throwing it out because this is what a lot have you been to a dunkin donuts at closing time <laughs> that's a sad like, thought hell anybody <laughs> who's in the chat <laughs> anybody look i like donuts 
I'm gonna get passionate real quick for a second. Mm-hmm. Anybody who likes donuts, have you been to a Dunkin' Donuts at closing time? I don't Go think I could watch it. Yeah. No, you 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 you'll shed a tear. You'll shed a tear, and then you'll be like, no, no, the jelly donuts don't come out. And then they'll lock the dumpster. They will lock the dumpster to keep from people going in and getting donuts, even donuts that are day old that's still good for consumption. Go to grocery stores. They will literally throw out fresh food that they no longer can sell. And so this is just like, what? But the thing is, is automatic scarcity. Hell, was it Second Thought, I think? He put out a video where even Amazon practices that scarcity where they will take products like 4K ultra high definition TVs that have not been sold from the last year's model and they will trash it. They will put it in a dumpster and throw it all away just to keep prices high. You have car companies, Ford, GM, Toyota, Nissan, all these car companies that take the last year's models and take them to the dumpster and crush brand new cars to artificially keep up the prices of their vehicles so that they can make more profit. So the idea of scarcity is complete and utter bullshit. Say it with me. Bullshit. I'm going to say bullshit too. Yeah. I yes. I call it bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of thing you, we can, we can have nice things in a good society, you know, or we can have billionaires. That's your choice. I love that, Eric. Oh, that that needs to be, look. Please tweet that quote out. You can either have a society that benefits everybody, or you can have billionaires choose. Pick a side. Pick a side, right? Damn, Eric coming in with the great quotes. Man, all right. I like this. This actually kind of goes into the MMT span of thought. Implement a federal jobs guarantee to provide good jobs at a living wage. It'd be transformative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one of another thing that's close to my heart, protect, excuse me, Social Security and expand benefits. I know this very intimately because I am a Social Security recipient. I'm on disability. I and people look at me crazy when I say this, but honestly, I think that social security benefits should be quintupled. It should be quintupled because even if you double it, even if you triple it, it's still inadequate. That's how bad it is for those of us here are on retirement or disability. Those of us who either get one of the two, we are suffering. So it needs to be quintupled. And yes, you can actually pay for that either if you want to go the mt mmt route we got the money to pay for it if you want to go just do the taxation route you want to do just that you can tax these super rich oligarchs up the ass in order to take care of the most vulnerable because the thing is that they stole from us anyway so you might as well take it back Mm-hmm. And of course, they they continue to strip back Social Security all the time. I mean, it's it's nowhere near. If uh, SSDI mm-hmm. is is nowhere near enough to get you by, and 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 God forbid you're only eligible for SSI. 
um mm -hmm. what like 700 a month good luck with that yeah it's it, it's it, it's also the idea of a vision of what kind of society are we going to have you know are we going to have this calvinist type of of work you know everything is about the work ethic and everybody's gotta gotta be mm -hmm. toiling hard at their job and and just yeah. and just work 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 and mm -hmm. and what are we working for you know you, you're basically toiling at these jobs to enrich that top 0.1 percent who, yeah. who are, are taking you know the, the vast majority of, of the spoils you know mm -hmm. or are we going to have a society that that values people and that yeah. says if you're a person you should have a nice life and work should be a choice yeah. and even in that kind of society the vast majority of people are going to want to work are going to want to have that kind of structure and meaning in their lives you know this idea that you know oh if we're not cracking the whip on people they they won't work you know that's that's propaganda yeah that's, that's put out there by by those at the top of this capitalist pyramid to mm -hmm. just to just have you know everybody toiling away for them mm -hmm. and you yeah. know if, if you look at the 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 billionaire's sons you know and, and their kids you know work mm -hmm. sure is a choice for them Work should be a choice for everybody, and when yeah. you get into that mindset, you, you, it's a very different vision of the world and, and what the world should be and how it should operate. Yeah. Another thing, and this is also close to my heart: provide reparations via a solution that treats them as they are a debt owed. Thank you. Thank you. Because I think that's also absolutely necessary. Uh, because the thing is, is when a crime is committed against somebody, restitution and recompense is owed to that person. And people will stand behind, you know, that person when something happens to them or to their descendants. But it hasn't happened for those of us who are Africans, who are descendants of slaves. And I think this is also a really integral part because a lot of us are at a point where we are artificially put at a lower socioeconomic status because of how we were treated for years and we're still being treated down to this day yeah it's a you know i i think that generational poverty is an act of violence that that's that's happened um you know, to people that are descendant of African slaves, um, you know, it's and, you know, that that's really what it comes down to is 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 trying to narrow that wealth gap, um, generational mm -hmm. poverty that has just continued to, to create that gap and continue to stigmatize the black community. Yeah. And the I would love framing to have of it as a debt owed is is, I think, very powerful and accurate. And yeah. and I give RBN and all you folks the, the, the credit for that. You know, that's that's something I've learned watching all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's not my area of expertise, but, you know, I'm, I'm always supportive. Nah, thank you so much for that. I would love to have a conversation with uh, Professor Sandy Darity about this this conversation I to get more into the, the inner workings of how it could work. Um, it needs to happen, but how it could work, I would love to be educated by somebody like him, you know, for that. But I want to move on so because we have... Uh, I, I want to make sure I get through as much as this as possible. Mandate paid parental leave. I honestly think I love how you guys said parental. You didn't classify it whether it's paternal or maternal. 
because a parent just needs to have leave in order to take care of their kids. So I appreciate that. Eliminate student loan debt and provide free public college. Look, I, I, I'm not, I don't have student loan debt, but I am all for anybody being debt free, especially because the issues that have, I'm sorry, not the issues, but the means of collecting student debt wasn't really done because it's absolutely necessary, but is really just a ploy to kill the anti-war movement. Ultimately. Yeah, and, it, and it's not something we have time for now, but I mean, you can have a whole conversation about debt and the whole oh. society, you know, that's a oh, whole I big topic to. right there. I need to. Yes. Good idea, Eric. Mm. I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind and I'll let you know <laughs> what I do. All right. All right. End the wars. This is great. Cut the military budget by at least 20% every year. Yeah, and it's it's kind of, you know, it's an arbitrary number. It, it's something maybe it should be a little different mm -hmm. or other numbers or whatnot. But the, the point is mm -hmm. to just put it out there as yeah. we're demanding cuts. You know, it's yeah. not this thing of, you know, oh, we'll, we'll not increase it as much. You know, mm -hmm. or, or oh, Putin's so scary. You know, it's it's no, <laughs> this is this is nonsense. It's 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 just it's it's mind-boggling the yeah. the amount spent on in in the whole U.S. military. It's just it's one of those things that they make it so huge and so ridiculous and so hard to fathom that it, it's hard to even deal with. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it's like and so no, cut cut it cut it and we'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. Let's see. Uh, let me see. In sales of military weapons by U.S. companies. That's a big one, Roger. I'm sorry, Roger. I'm talking, I'm talking like Savvy Roger does. Savvy does that sometimes. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. I saw Roger Meadows' <laughs> comments on Rockfin, which I'll be getting to in a little bit. But <laughs> right, I'll just hit the Rockfin. All look, right. look I, I'm telling you, got, look, you, you, Corey, and Roger are all brilliant people, so... If I interchange, it's only because I'm thinking, smart guy, this is a good point. <laughs> so, sorry. Hey, like you said, I take it as a compliment. I mm -hmm. always love to hear what Roger has to say. Oh, yeah. Roger has some great. Look, I can't wait because I'm going to get to this comment while you guys are still here because I really want you guys to hear it. But it's great. But, uh, but on, to go on back... this topic, remember when, when, um, when arms dealers used to be the bad guys? <laughs> In right? <movies? laughs> Whatever oh, happened my to God. that? We're the world's biggest arms dealer, and everybody's like, yeah, whatevs. Even in Iron Man, Tony Stark was an arms dealer. Jesus. And it was like, oh, well, I guess I, I can't do that anymore because that's just bad. Why are we still being in cahoots with Honeywell, Raytheon, Boeing, Northrop Grumman? Why are we still cheering for these companies when they're the ones who are increasing our military budgets up the wazoo? It's crazy. It's psychotic. And so our demands just need to be no. I mean, it's just no foreign sales, period. Yeah. Honestly, I think that if we are going to have military weapons, they should be made in-house. If we're going the, to... Mm -hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, if, and then if... um. Then the next thing you'll get is what about all those jobs and whatnot? And so then you go to the next item. <laughs> there you go. 
Replace military jobs with federal green jobs. Yeah. Jobs program, and there you go. Just yeah. redirect. Even if you just redirected that money, you wouldn't even have to worry about budgeting. Yeah, yeah and you're creating good jobs too. One of the things that that um, I, I'm I'm not a veteran. I want to give a nod to like groups like Veterans for Peace uh, that that, yeah. that have a lot uh, of good things to say. But one thing that always really irritates me is military recruiters prey on high schools that are in low income areas. Yeah. And, being an enlisted person in the military, it's not an enviable job, I, I yeah. think. Um, and, and and so really, you have you you have this going back to the education point. You have a system where education is is unattainable, and uh, yeah. and you have the government coming in and saying, "Hey, your only you know venue to that is going to be serving in the military," and that's a major problem. Funny how that works out, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then. Uh reform imperialist foreign policies that's also a must uh repeal the usa the usa patriot act the espionage ugh, the espionage act of 1917 the authorization use of military force of 2001 and similar laws and that gets into some of the nuts and bolts about how imperialism op imperialism the, the imperialist state operate operates mm -hmm. yeah uh, prohibit intelligence agencies from conducting propaganda and intrusive surveillance operations against the American people, which is going on right now. <laughs> Go figure. Hi, yeah. NSA. Hello. <laughs> I know they watch. Uh, let me see. Respond to climate emergency. Uh, I'm just going to go down these really quick. Implement a non-corporate Green New Deal program. Non-corporate important. Yes. <laughs> and you know what just to, just to harp on that point non-corporate i honestly think that the green new deal program should be implemented by the military and it should be where the soldiers instead of picking up guns and you know different types of arsenal instead they're using steam shovels they're using bulldozers they're using shovels in order to plant trees, in order to build, you know, water irrigation. They should be used in that way. So, number one, nobody dies. Nobody gets harmed. And on top of it, we're fighting the war climate change, which is a war that will we shall win if we actually use our troops in order to plant more and to you know, use the Army Corps of Engineers in order to construct green systems for renewable energy. I think that we can do that. It's just, it takes the will to do it. You can have things like Peace Corps style service as well. Yeah, yeah, basically. Any 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 thoughts, uh, Corey? Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, just uh, I think your idea of, of government infrastructure uh, being built up for, for green energy is, is, is great. And that also has precedent to in the in the New Deal. Um, you know, it, it is. I mean, I, I know people often say the climate emergency is the existential threat. I actually think the economic emergency is the existential threat, because I, I think mm. that economically uh, we're going to get that that flashpoint before the climate. But uh, but yeah. OK, cool. Thank you so much. And then expand green subsidies, which is also a no-brainer. Here's a good chat from from Mastermind Hour. Drop houses, not bombs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait! Don't go too far. There, okay. There he is. Yep. Yep. Houses, not bombs. 
I completely agree. God, I love the people in the chat. I love y'all. So criminal justice reform, it, really, this is the blanket over all of it. Address the root cause of crime, poverty. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, and again, this is a big nod to, to the 10 for justice. I think we intentionally kept this um, a, a bit of a shorter point because we were so Im impressed and, and endorse uh, the 10 for justice. Uh, you know, I, I studied criminal justice in school. At one point, I thought I was going to, to go into law enforcement. I changed my mind. Um, and I ended up working with people uh, that, that were acclimating to uh, life after incarceration. Uh, it's not currently the field that I'm in, but it's still definitely one that I have a lot of, of interest in. You know, the basic thing, like you said here, is poverty. I do think that that, that kind of poverty-related crime and uh, criminal-related violence, that should be looked at as a public health issue. Uh, that that should not be, uh, I, I believe, in like ending incarceration. I don't think that we should be doing punishment-based things. I think that we need to completely uh, reevaluate how we do law enforcement in this country. I think the police as they exist now uh, should not uh, exist. I, I would mm -hmm. much rather see systems in which communities are taking care of themselves and doing some self-policing. And then with uh, with any kind of of rehabilitation, you're, you're really looking to, to rehabilitate. I don't. I, th I think it's absolutely insane the type of prison, prison sentences that go out in this country. I would much rather see people, um, you know, being voluntarily um, put into some kind of healthcare treatment or job training, um, just to just to you know be able to uh, deal with that. So there's a huge huge problem with criminal justice in this in this country that that continues to go on. And uh, as for ending the drug war, the one thing I'll say is I'm I'm very um, I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate for psychedelics. I want to see psychedelic research. Um, Me too. As, as as for that, um, you know, the, the the issue with the with the cartel, the issue with drug violence, uh, legalizing and and regulating uh, substances would would basically get rid of that. It is uh, the the biggest you know. Uh, crock uh, the the drug war and obviously it's it's been weaponized against many many people um yeah. you know we need to be having safe injection sites we need to be having uh, harm reduction uh and i at the end of the day when it comes to the drug war we really need to think about government power is should the government be dictating what we uh willingly choose uh to to put into our body and i think the big answer there is no yeah definitely uh enough said you you said it Corey. And then I just want to hit quickly on the one in the middle. And it's the concept of when there's a, sh a police shooting, mm -hmm. an unjustified shooting. Imagine if every time that happened, we got masses of people in the streets and they said, we're, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep up these protests and we're going to shut stuff down and whatnot until the police chief is fired until the commissioner is fired, the training staff is fired. If there's a mayor, he's got to decide if he's on board with that or he's got to go. Imagine if, if that was was a demand every time. Mm -hmm. Some of that behavior would start to change yeah. because those those guys would see it as their jobs on the line. Yeah. And, and I, this... we, I think we need that kind of movement and that yeah. kind of 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 asking for real consequences and real um, real stuff with it. Well, I was also thinking that this can be extended to the the, the sheriffs uh, because, you know, the mayor mm -hmm. of the county, this can also be extended to the governor for the state police or the state troopers. 
But it's just crazy to me. It never seems to happen. I mean, when 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 do you hear that you know there's a big protest and then the response to the protest was was resignations and firings? It's it just doesn't seem seem to happen. And I I feel like how how can we get into a movement and a way to deal with these things that that we make that happen? And and of course we need to be demanding it and not settling for less. Yeah, definitely. And the drug war, that's a no-brainer. And in Acts and Demands, as you guys alluded to earlier, that brilliant, just brilliant. No, certainly an inspiration for what what I've tried to do with this stuff. And it's very well done. I just want to thank you for that. Um, reject censorship. This is also a big one. This also mm-hmm. you know, pertains to people like myself who are is, indep- is in this independent media space. So protect freedom of speech from censorship, whether from government or corporations. That's an interesting point. The or corporations part, because uh, as as, I'm sorry, you want to go ahead with that, Corey? You first. Okay. From what I know is that if corporations like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Reddit, all these different corporations that are basically getting money and subsidies from the government and their oligarch overlords are dictating to our government what can and can't be done. They're in partnership and in league with, you know, like the NSA, the FBI, the CIA. They are de facto government institutions. That by that being said, if they can employ people who were part of that, who are now basically pushing the demands of what the government wants, that means that by taking somebody away or silencing someone, like for instance, Garland Nixon then they are violating people's free speech because they are, by extension, part of the government. With that being said, then I'm of the opinion that institutions like Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, all these other ones should either be, one, completely owned and controlled by the workers or be made into a utility and nationalized, you know, for all. And if they do both, why not? So, yeah. And, and one thing that, that I think a lot of people maybe don't realize is, is that these social media companies didn't, didn't want to go down this path. They, they, they really were kind of pulled into doing this censorship, kicking and screaming, basically by Congress, basically by Democrats. You had, you know, from AOC, I remember AOC in the early days in, in hearings and, and telling these people, you know, they, they got to take care of this stuff. And and it, it's basically a, a Democratic Party thing of just bullying these social media companies and saying, we're going to start regulating you. We're going to start putting antitrust on you if you don't start censoring. Yeah. 
Yeah, and another thing that that you know we learned during um, you know the Edward Snowden uh, revelations was that the the government, the intelligence community, particularly, actively goes to these tech companies and basically yeah. twists their arms to create like uh, backdoors in there for for them to go and, and interfere. I actually currently work for a software company, and we recently had to basically give the NSA a whole uh, just document of of our infrastructure, and that's an annual thing uh, that that these tech companies do. Uh, so the, it's it's there's there's really a lot of uh, of government interference in that and and you know like like you said JB um, in in your space you know you know all too well how the YouTube algorithm and YouTube censorship uh, keeps this this form of independent media down. Yeah, this is why I ask people make sure you like the stream and if you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe because the algorithm does not like people like myself, RBN, Savvy Sabs the MCSC network, Indie News Network. You know, like for instance, why in the hell is someone like Tara Reed not at like a hundred thousand subscribers right now? Why not? Because it's that barrier, those algorithms are created to, you know, for those of us who walk away from this thought of corporations first or capital first you know we walk to more people first type of policies worker policies things like that so yeah definitely and for these uh, like companies that really should be utilities there's this um regulate algorithms that impact user interactions and open them up to public scrutiny uh eric is is a software engineer actually and so you know big, big thing with that is that if if you have these these common carrier rules it, the the algorithm would need to be exposed and open and and able to to see exactly what is happening there. Uh, obviously, that's that's not there now. So, you know, who, who knows? Uh, I, I mean, maybe we do we do know we do know that there's active suppression going on, but by by what means? You know, it's, it, we're basically just uh, at their mercy. Well, let me ask you this, because you both are in technology and in information technology. Would it be best to have these algorithms open sourced? Oh, totally. I mean, it's you want to be open source. You want to be um, uh, auditable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's that's a, a way that that you would keep them honest. Mm -hmm. And while while you have these companies, you know, being private for for profit corporations, they're always going to use the excuse that. Um, you know, it's proprietary information, you know, that affects their profit. And so you're either going to have to legislate that, you know, regulate that directly, which Congress has the power to do. That's interstate commerce, yeah. you know, or you go the further step of, of taking them over as utilities and just gotcha. working them for the public good. Gotcha. I heard that one. Thank you so much. All right. So let's get to. Yeah, every one of these is a big topic. <laughs> yeah, every one of these is a big topic. Uh, I'm going to go down the list because uh, we, we can't cover them all. But immigration reform, abolish ICE, protect the path of citizenship. I'm sorry, provide a path of citizenship for all persons in the United States. Protect, protect asylum seekers and process claims in a timely and just manner. Demilitarize the border. That's also a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, we already kind of touched on that, but yeah, I mean, just my one last point is the the inherent racism in it too. Just look at what the uh, Mexican border is compared to the Canadian border, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
or even people who are flying from European countries and overstaying their visas oh. versus people coming in from the southern border. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're going to put a wall in the airport. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Number nine. He says, an election system we can trust. Now, I have to be very careful with how I word things for this part because, you know, the algorithm doesn't like some of the things that's being said in this vein. So, this make all voting machines and software open source and auditable by the public. This is key. I love this part. This gets into the thing that, that, that people will, will, will talk about, you know, why why bother voting when it's rigged? And, you know, maybe it's rigged in a huge way, maybe it's not. I mean, we just don't even know because it's, it's you have states, you know, using um, private companies and, and these closed source voting machines. And so, yeah, that, that needs to be opened up. Yeah. Corey? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the necess uh, necessity for transparency. If if the government is not going to be transparent, then the public will not trust it. You know, if there's no transparency, there's no peace. So it is a big one. It it is it is a big demand. At, at other times, when I when I edit fooled around with this list, I put it at number two at times, and it's it's one of those things of of how do you want to order things, and maybe that's part of the collaboration that you know that can happen with this whole thing. But it, it, it's a big one. Gotcha. But how can you have democracy without free and fair elections, right? That is true, including state and local elections too. Definitely. But it's all doable, you know. It's you you can have um, a whole open source system yeah. that's that's like constructed and regulated by by the government, and you can have a system that's completely foolproof um, if it's open and auditable. True. Definitely. Implement ranked choice or star voting systems. I like this idea. I'm not familiar with star voting. I need to familiarize myself with star voting. But any so, system... So stars like ranked choice, instead of doing one, two, three, four, five, you give them stars. Oh, and, okay. And there are some other nuances to it, but that's that's the, the gist of it. And there's a link there. People can investigate it as well. Okay, perfect. Open up ballot access and debates to all candidates, regardless of party affiliation. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let me see. Enact the national popular vote system to fix the electoral college. And that's one of those things. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a way that, that could be worked around without a constitutional fix. So mm -hmm. there are things we can do and people who are interested can, uh, can hit that link and investigate that one. But it's funny because you have people go, well, I, I'm here in Iowa and I don't want people in New York making decisions for me. And it's like, well, there's not as many people in Iowa as there is in New York. So people where the mass of people are, then that's who's going to vote. That's the way it goes. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is it's a outdated system the electoral college was there to give power to landowners and so basically uh it's yeah, just, watch out it's, for the rabble yeah yeah it, it was it was basically just put put in there to to, to give people in privilege uh an elevated level of say in politics 
What I would say to people is, do you want your fellow working person on on mass um, deciding things, or do you want um, three thousand billionaires deciding everything? <laughs> that is true. That is true. All right, revamp taxation and funding. So, abolish all ta- all taxes except for highly progressive income taxes, wealth taxes, and taxes on large corporations. Mm. So this gets into this idea of having a big ask, of having you know a dial to eleven ask, because the tax system is ridiculous. Everybody hates it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, how are you going to fix it? Well, you can pass a thousand more laws and try to close a thousand more things and whatnot, you know, or you can get serious and get and get really into um, into what do we really want to do, what would, would really work. And and so it's this idea of, of just start with the clean slate and mm-hmm. then tax the people that has the money. <laughs> one one thing that really always pisses me off is when we're talking about sales tax and meals tax, you have houseless people that pay more taxes than billionaires or corporations. Wow. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And then people will say, well, the, the rich, the, the rich people will leave and whatnot. Well, you know, we say it's good. Yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> bye bye. But, and, but, but, and they, you know, they're, they Rich people aren't going to leave. You know, they, they're not going to. They're not going to give up on you know living in the United States and having you know the life that, that they want. It's, I'll put it this way: do, we don't need them. That's the other thing: we don't need billionaires. All they have Look, is leeches. I'm going to say this: if for people who have who have uh, an extreme amount of wealth, I also will put in an exit tax. You want to leave? Fine, go ahead, but you got to pay a tax to go. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, you made all your money in this country. You're not just going to cut and run. No, 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 no. There has to be an exit fee. So if you want to exit, go ahead. But some of that wealth is staying here. You're not walking away with all that money. Yep, that's a great point. Because even if they decide to, to leave themselves, like their physical body, they're not going to leave the American market. And so they're still mm-hmm. owing the American people their fair share. Mm-hmm. And you can sanction them to oblivion. <laughs> you know, I, I generally, I think, uh, like a lot of us on the left have come to, we don't like sanctions as far as how they're used now. They're, they're they've used now yeah. as an act of war, but yeah. I'd be all for sanctions as an act of you know economic retribution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want to leave and hey, okay, yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> this is why I love you guys. <laughs> all right, so we love you too, JB. Yeah, feel cool. Yep. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Let me see. Prosecute and potentially expel persons with corporations. We only have like six minutes, so I just want to get to all this. Prosecute and potentially expel persons and corporations that abuse offshore tax havens. Yes, throw them under the jail. Fund state and local governments with federal dollars. Distribute on an an important on a per person basis. Uh, That one kind of hits the how you're going to pay for that argument at the state level. Perfect. Issue federal currency to promote a, the public good, not increase private profits. Beautiful. A little bit of nod to MMT there. MMT right there, yep. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's use that power. Mm-hmm. And number 11, dollar to 11. 11. We made it. <laughs> Democratize the enterprise. I love this. Oh, my God. Oh, 
inject it all into my veins, provide mm-hmm. federal funds and incentives for employee owned and controlled businesses. You hear that, Roger? You hear that? <laughs> all right. Enforce antitrust laws, break up monopolies and large corporations. Mandate that all publicly traded companies reserve board seats for employee representation. I say 50 plus one. That's what I say. Uh, transition companies that provide essential services into democratically controlled utilities. Ah, oh, chef's kiss. Oh. And another one that can go into here that I've been meaning to uh, to do a little edit and add is um, what Roger Meadows has been talking a lot about in uh, public banking and even postal banking. And so that, that deserves a place in here somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. We'll work on it. We're collaborating. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Y'all got this. Y'all got this. <laughs> okay. Now, what I want to do is I want to make sure that I get to some of these comments because you guys have been chatted, chatted, chatted. And up in here, so let's go. Okay, so oh wait, I forgot to do this one part. So it's just so that it comes out a little bit more. Uh pop out chat. There we go. Pop it. <laughs> Twist it. <laughs> Smash it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So let's go. Uh, let me see. Roger Meadows, thank you so much for the tip on Rockfin. Roger says, we need to add to those demands voters of all states to have the ability to place their own initiatives on the ballot to amend their state constitutions via the ballot initiative plus postal public banking. Roger continues. Duly noted. Perfect. Roger also says, yes, JB, either nationalize, stationalize, municipalize or cooperatize hospitals, big pharma, medical facilities, clinics, nursing homes, dialysis centers, which I go to, etc. I love how you conclude that in there, Roger. Free IT tech schools oh, and trade schools. Also, JB, how about a minimum wage, better yet, amendment that says minimum wage must always match Congress's yearly salary. Sa- salary. Idahoans want to build a wall to keep Californians out so they can stop them from raising rent rates. Oh, Lord. <laughs> That's hilarious. Tear down that wall. Tear down. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, <laughs> Roger also says, how about a state version of Social Security to draw from the surplus created by public bank that fills the gap between federal Social Security and the cost of living according to where in the country you live or even go above the cost of living? Dave Burt says, love Roger Meadows' state strategy comments. Nice to see the stream. Thank you so very much. Um Interesting, but just saying you guys aware that the small-time anti-government or sharp-talking socialist-type Twitter accounts been getting taken off for many years now. Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts are being killed. Twitter uh, accounts for years. You probably knew that from going in to people that did. Oh, wait, that did stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they've been doing that stuff for, 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 for years. 
Uh, Roger also says, I don't think that the witch from the Wizard of Oz would appreciate home, <laughs> home speed dropped out of the sky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She'll, she'll be triggered. Gonna break some eggs. <laughs> <laughs> also, Eric, protesting to get rid of police uh, commissioners and mayors isn't structural change. We must transfer responsibility for police prosecutions away from the DA to an independent prosecutor appointed by the harmed community, family, or victim who has no prior relation with law enforcement and given full state resources. Your your response to that? That's that's a really great point. The district attorneys and the police are bedfellows. Uh, there is absolutely no division there. The DAs think of themselves as, as an extension of the police, so you cannot trust them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. I think that's it for the paid ones. I think so. Yeah, I think they're just responding to each other. <laughs> oh, wait, no more. No more. Okay, so uh, Roger says, I sent you guys a New York Times article yesterday. I even took screenshots of them just in case they were behind a paywall, most likely. It talks about how due to the the pandemic, people are exiting cities, leaving them underfunded. This is where we must now implement public banks, state and local to build the surplus without raising taxes and creating new taxes. We must strike when the iron is hot. Thank you so much for that, for all the, the comments and tips on Rockfin as well. And thank you for the super sticker jm who is also a jb member and reality revolution who is a jb member thank you for the super chat says i like dr mate's solution soon as one person owns it all i'm not finishing it (laughs) (laughs) i remember him saying that on jimmy Dore's show yeah 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 yeah. i can't i can't say it but but i get you but But, there's a whole thing more of us than there are them yep Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, let me put the 11 demands. Um, 11demands.org or yep. or, the, or even .com will get you there. Yep. Let me put it inside the chat just so that you guys have. It's also in the description as well, but I also like to make sure that I put it in the chat just so that people have more easier access to it. So as far as any, you know, final thoughts regarding uh these demands and what you guys want to see from this country what what do you want to convey to the audience as well i'm gonna start off with Corey for that one yeah the biggest thing here is that we need unity uh we can only whether it's revolution or or any other way we can only do this if we work together so the biggest thing is collaboration and organization i think that we want to be arranging protests we want to be arranging civil disobedience i definitely want to get in these politicians faces i definitely want to be challenging them with independent candidates but we need some uh, some level of uh of, of planning together and, and saying like even even in a small way as groups go like we're going to go and do this we're going to have signs that say this we're going to solidify around a certain amount of goals Obviously, you know, 
there, there, there's 11 of them there. There's a lot of points there. It's not like we're going to go into one, uh, you know, civil disobedience, a protest movement with, with all of the demands we can pick and choose depending on, on our situations. But the biggest thing here is, is this is a collaborative effort. You know, you can always uh, reach out, reach out to Eric or, or to anybody. And, and we want this to really be a, a community thing. Like I was saying earlier, it's, it's about the ideas, not, not the personalities and we're all together. So what I would really like to see from this is just a solidification of going into these actions with some ask. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, Eric? Yeah, what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Cosign! Yeah, really. (laughs) He dropped the mic on me. No, it's, um, no, of course, you know, definitely agree on that. You know, we want to be collaborating. And I I guess the main thing I'm I'm trying to, to... to push, if you will, to put out there, mm-hmm. to propose, it's a better mm-hmm. word, is that regardless of whether it's this list or another list or, or something, it, it, we need to have a demands-based movement. It needs to be something. True. And it I needs agree. to be, it, it needs to be clear, you know, it needs to be concise. I, I see other things out there in parties and people will, will say that well they their demands you know their things are about the same and you look them up and it's like you know page after page of, of policy statements and and whatnot and and there's no there's, there's nothing to just, you know you just your eyes bug out and then you and then you close the browser and you know it, it needs to be you know this thing fits on two pages so it needs yeah. to be something concise and then, you know, and then we can have links and we can have other sections or things like that that get into details and even policies and papers and things like that. But, yeah. you know, it, it's got to be, in my view, it's got to be a set of something that you can just wrap, wrap your hands around, wrap your mind yeah. around and say, you know, this is what we need and we're not settling for less. Yeah. And one thing I love about this is that this crosses so many different social communities, whether you're disabled, whether you're part of the LGBTQ plus community, whether you are a woman, whether you are uh, of the black community or whether you are an immigrant, whether, you know, even just for the cisgender white guy, there's so many benefits for everyone when it comes to these 11 demands that goes across the board. The only people that are actually not gonna be happy are the oligarchs and the people who are way at the top who actually benefit from the system as is. So I just wanna, I wanna give a big thank you and a shout out to both of you for helping to convey this message and so that we can educate people on this because I think this is also very important. And you know, you guys are brilliant minded people which I'm glad to be in community with. And it was really a privilege to have you both on, really. It was a privilege to be here, JB. I I really, yeah, I really appreciate you. I have utmost respect for the work you do. And uh, it's it's really been a pleasure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, uh, for Corey, you can catch him when you can catch him. (laughs) (laughs) And for Eric, uh, Eric is also on Twitter. Uh, Oh, wait, did I put your Twitter link? Oh. Damn it. Well, Let if you go to erictred.com, you can find me. Okay, you can find there, him on There's a Twitter link at the bottom of the page. 
Okay. But you can always find us in Sabby Sab Show. Um, Corey uh, also uh, does the production engineering there sometimes as well. You'll you'll see him in the chat as well. So All right. You know where to you find guys, us. You can find us uh, there jobs. at seven seven tonight. Nice. We'll be hanging out with Sabs. Seven p.m. Right. Eastern. Okay. You guys do great jobs on there, by the way. Just saying, I I, I admire your work. <laughs> so yeah. Um, to anybody who else is watching, just to let you guys know, I will be furthering the reading of Asada Shakura's bio- autobiography. I'll be getting to that, as well as continuing the reading for Dirty Truths by Michael Parenti. I will be also be getting into that as well, whether you're on YouTube or Rockfin. I just want to thank you all. If you guys have not subscribed yet, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We have I try to have conversations like this as much as possible so that people can continue to be educated. You know the algorithm doesn't like people like me. So in order to push me forward and the channels like this forward, please make sure to subscribe as well as did you like the stream? Take take a second. I like. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> all right, everybody. Love you so much. Thank you to everybody in the chat. I got to get over to RBN. Water your plants. Water yourselves. Leave the world better than you found it. And also, forehead kisses. And make those demands, baby. Demand, baby. Do it. Make demands and have demand. Ah, Yeah.